amen and amen. What a wonderful name, a powerful name, the name above all names, that at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth is going to bow one day. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And now, Lord, we pray that as your word goes forth and we study your word, that your Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, directs us, and builds our life. Lord, we are here to be discipled, to learn, to grow in our Christian faith. So, Lord, let that change us this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. You can turn in your Bibles or you can just listen, but I'm going to be reading Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 16. And the title of my message this morning is Leaving a Legacy That Last. Leaving a Legacy That Last. And we're, we're, we're studying verse by verse through Hebrews chapter 11. We've come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. And this is the passage in the Old Testament that our New Testament verse is referring to. Got it? Okay. Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 16 says, Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Very old at this point in his life. Uh, Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. Now as for me, when I came from Paddan, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands although Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, and here's the blessing on his his Joseph and the grandchildren. He says, he pronounces this blessing, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, 
the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, bless these young boys, and may my name live on in them. In the name of my father, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So guys, that is Genesis chapter 48, verses 1 through 16. Now in the New Testament, the verse that's referring to this is Hebrews 11:21, which should be up on the screen, which is, we're looking at, this, we're studying this one verse this morning, which is Hebrews 11:21, which says, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So here we have it, the description, the final scene of Jacob's life, and he's blessing his grandsons, Ephraim and Manassas. And at the end of his life, Jacob, who's also called Israel because his name was changed, he's focused on what is most important, guys, and that is leaving a spiritual legacy. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of things we can leave to people in life. You know, we can leave money, we can leave houses, but there's nothing more important than we leaving a spiritual legacy for our family and for our loved ones and leaving our thumbprint on this world in the name of Christ to those that are behind us. It was either 1975 or 1976. My grandmother and my grandfather brought me in. They took me into the house and they raised me for many, many years after that. And um, so it was 1975, 1976. I was five or six years old. And living in Augusta, Georgia, Oscar and Inez Baker. And there was one thing that always stuck out in my mind about Grandma and Grandpa when I was living with them back in the 70s. And I clearly remember those days. I clearly remember living there. And the one thing I remember about them is, man, they are old. I, I remember thinking as a little child, man, Grandma and Grandpa, they sure are old. They, 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 they sure are, um, they're old. And I'm young. And I always thought about that. It always crossed my mind. They were my grandma and grandpa. I loved them. And I went back and looked. They both passed away. One was born, I believe, in 1923. One was born in 1929. And when they took me in, they were in their late 40s, coming right up at their 50-year mark. And here I am today, that same age. So... By my own standard, when I was younger, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not getting old. We're young at heart. We're serving the Lord. You know, but the thing that I remember most about my grandparents is they put their spiritual thumbprint on me. They raised me in the ammunition of the Lord. They, they, they sowed seeds into my life. And I think about the spiritual legacy that they've put on me. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I want to do the exact same thing. I want to leave that same lasting impact on my wife, my children, and not just them, but everyone around. Everyone around. I want to leave a legacy that lasts. Because no one knows their last day on the earth. Some of us may be here next Sunday. Some of us may not. But, but the thing you need to understand is the way you're living your life today, you are leaving a legacy. 
you are leaving a legacy. My friend, whether you realize it or not, you will leave a legacy. The only question is, what would that legacy look like? How will you be remembered? Your family and those around you will be remembered by how you lived your life, by how you lived your life. Your life that you're living on this earth, this very short life that we're all living, is our witness, is our witness to the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your witness is your legacy. Let's live it strong. Let's live it loud. And let's live it for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, not to be, not, we're not leaving religious legacies or traditional legacies, but leaving a legacy that we love God, that we obey God. And in, in Hebrews 11.21, this one verse I'm teaching on this morning, in this one verse, I believe it teaches you and I everything we need to know about leaving a legacy. This one Bible verse, we're going to break it down phrase by phrase. And we're going to learn from some of the Bible greats on how to leave a legacy. So y'all ready to break it down? All right. Hebrews 11.21 says this. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. The first principle I present to you this morning in leaving a legacy that lasts is faith. Jacob had a personal faith. It says it right there, by faith, Jacob. That personal faith means that it's real. It's real in your life. You have a real living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a living faith in God. Not only do you know about it and you think about it, but you possess it. That's the kind of faith that God wants us all to have. You know, I'm not, I'm not living on Irene's faith. Irene's not living on my faith. We both have our own faith and our love and our obedience and our reliance and our trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you, you got to, it's got to be real. You got to possess it. You know, Jacob did not, this is Jacob, guys, or, or Israel. Um, but because uh, Jacob's renamed Israel, he did not rest on the fact, huh, I'm Isaac's son. I'm Abraham's grandson. He didn't rest on his religious heritage, but he trusted in God, in God alone. What does a personal faith look like uh, in Christianity? We all know Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I want to bring it in a little bit. I want to hone it in a little bit closer. What is personal faith? Personal faith by you is a total commitment in your life to Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. If I could sum it down in one sentence... It's that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you, you are completely committed to him. Above family, above loved ones, uh, above friends, above your church, above everything is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Personal faith that Jacob had, that God calls you and I to have, is not religion. Religion says, I will make you God part of my life. I'll put you in the corner of my mind. I'll put you in the corner of my heart. No, that's not, that's not um, personal faith. Personal faith says you're not part of my life. You are my life. You are everything. Personal faith means you've been born again. You believe with all your heart, and you know him. It's like this love relationship. 
It's not just this mental. It is a mental. We do believe with our minds, but we believe with our hearts, and it consumes our heart. It raptures our heart that we love him and we trust him and we know him and we're completely committed to him. Not to any traditions or steeples or catechisms or orthodoxal creeds, but it's that you know Jesus and that you love him with all your heart. My friend, do you have personal faith this morning? Do you have personal faith? You know, that's what God is calling us to. It's, it's, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And we have to put our faith in him. Personal faith renounces the old sinful life. It says, Lord, I belong to you, and Lord, I trust in your word. I hang on every single verse in the Bible as if my life depended on it. I trust you. I love you with all my life. As I, again, as I said, personal faith is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Do you have this faith? You know, where are you at? Is it growing? Is it going deeper? God wants you individually to have this personal faith in your heart where you say, Jesus, you are Lord, and I love you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. You know, it's not a matter of what kind of clothes you wear or, or, or how you look on the, inside, on, on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. And that personal faith has got to be strong. If you don't have that faith, ask him. Ask him. Say, Lord Jesus, give me a deep, abiding faith in you. Lord, place it by your Holy Spirit. Place it in my heart. I open my heart. In uh, Romans it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Just as we're simply now opening our Bibles, as you've got your Bible open in your lap and we're looking at the text of Scripture and we're studying it, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So God wants you to have, just as Jacob did, to leave a legacy that lasts, he wants you to have a personal faith. It says right there, see how it's underlined it? I underlined it, by faith Jacob. Jacob had a personal faith. You and I are called to have a personal faith. You know, church membership is great. Being connected is great. But above all those, above all everything else, it comes down to a personal faith. And you've got to have that. That's where it all starts. That's like the, you know, you think about a, a beautiful flower in a pot. That's where the seed begins. It begins in, with belief and trust and faith. And out of that grows our church family relationships, church membership, giving, witnessing, serving, and all that. It all comes out of personal faith, okay? If not, it's just legalism. And that dries you up. And that's not what the Christian life is about. If you don't have personal faith, ask him and get into the word. And his word is true. He'll give you faith. Number two, number two, Hebrews eleven twenty one. By the way, there's four. Hebrews eleven twenty one. Breaking this down section by section, it says, "By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, as he was dying." Now it's interesting. I wrote this. I prepared this teaching this week, and I realized it last night. I didn't realize it till last night. This was not by design. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" It's four Ps. It's four Ps. And I realized that last night, so I started to throw something in there, but I just did. So there's, there's four Ps in living a legacy. And the second one is Jacob had a persevering faith. Jacob had a persevering faith. It says, by faith, Jacob, 
It says right there in this, the word, as he was dying. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jacob's faith was there in the end. That's so important. That's so important. It's important that we have faith today. Yes, yes, and amen. And we have faith through our life. But what's most important is that we finish strong, that you finish strong, and that you have faith in the end. You say you love Jesus today. You say you love Jesus now. Here's the question. Will you love him the rest of your life? You know, I'm 49, but the question for me is, will I love him when I'm 60? Will I love him when I'm 70? Will I love him when I'm 80? Will I love him in my dying hours? That's, my friend, persevering faith. Persevering faith, that's what he calls us to. Persevering faith is, um, is ongoing. Persevering faith means you're not slowing down. Persevering faith is uh, staying the course. Persevering faith is going deeper and deeper. Persevering faith is holding fast. Persevering faith, uh, in the, when it comes to Christianity, in your walk with the Lord, means there's no retirement. There's no retirement. You will cross the finish line when you get to heaven. You know, stay the course. Persevering faith is uh, a fruitful faith. Persevering faith is a fruitful faith. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul wrote this. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. He tells us to be steadfast, to be immovable only in the younger years. Is that what it says? No. It says, always be steadfast, always be immovable, always be plugging away at the things of the Lord, serving in the church, serving in your community, and bringing Christ to the world. Bring, bringing, bringing a little bit of heaven to earth into the places of your sphere of influence. So we're called to always be fruitful. Persevering faith is a witness. Your, your persevering faith, you continuing to serve Christ, you continuing to live for him, it's also a witness. It's a witness to the glory and the majesty and the honor of God. When you persevere in your faith, you're saying to the world, Christ is worthy. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is worthy of not just my heart, of not just my life, of not just the present day, but he's worthy of everything. Second thing it does, persevering faith, it tells the world this, the anchor holds. The anchor holds because we go through difficult times, Christian. We go through trying times. Life is not always easy. Life throws us curveballs. And when life throws us curveballs and we go through difficult situations, whether we fall or something terrible happens, when we persevere in the faith, we're saying this, that the anchor holds. Is your anchor holding this morning? Because he will. He is the anchor that holds. And you need to understand as you press forward and you serve him all the days of your life, uh, it is a witness to the world that Christ is worthy of it all. Persevering faith means that you've completely, that you're completely committed until God calls you home. And you, you, mind's made up. 
lock, cock, ready to rock. You're on, you're on the train, and you're moving forward, and nothing is going to sway you from serving Christ. Your mind is made up. You're on the train. The train is going full steam ahead, and nothing is going to derail you. That is persevering faith. That is persevering faith. You, you, you know the story of Jacob. He blew it. He blew it along the way. He, he followed his mother's deception. He, he outright, bold-faced, lied to his father. He blew it. He sinned. He fell. But he got back up. But he got back up and, I, and, and repented and got back on the train. Just because you blow it in life, just because you sin, doesn't mean you can't persevere. You know, we all blow it along the ways, and what do we do? We repent, we, we, we confess our sin, and we get back on the, on, on the train. And, and we get, make our mind up that, Lord, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to persevere through what I, whatever you've gone through, and I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. These are people that are focused. Are you focused this morning? Are you focused in your life? Have you made up your mind? So many people go to church and like, oh, let me test this thing out. You know, it's like going to a used car lot and saying, let me, let me test your cars. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus, Jesus is not a used car that we can just go test drive. Jesus wants you to surrender all of his life. And as you grow into this personal faith, into this persevering faith, you'll see that he is worthy of it all. If you're in the second half of life, if you're in the second half of life, and statistics tell us that anything over 40, is you're in the second half of life, do not look for the retirement home in Florida, okay? Don't look for the beach house down at Edisto Island so you can go back and kick back on the beach and drink your pina coladas and have fun and live life. No! Now, it's okay if you live down there, but wherever you're at in life, in the later stages of life, find an opportunity to serve Christ in your community. Man, we're in it. We're in this thing, man. We're in this thing to the end. I'm in this thing to my, to my dying breath, and I hope you are too. Number three, number three, leaving a legacy the last. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty one, by faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And here it is, guys. And what did he do? He worshiped. He worshiped. The third principle the third element of leaving a legacy that lasts is that we have a praising faith. That we have a praising faith. Jacob had, he possessed, he, he exercised a praising faith. When, when Jacob came to the end of his life, he was not bitter. He was not bitter. But he worshiped in his passing, and his heart and his life was fixed on the Lord as he came to his dying hour. You know, as I was studying this passage, you know, forgive me, but they, they've had such a lasting impact on my life, but I like to use my grandparents as an illustration. But as I was looking at this, it made me think of my grandma and grandpa. It made me think of my grandparents. And uh, I don't know, I can't remember what year it was. It was like 2011 or, or 2012. Got the phone call from my, uh, my aunt, and she's like, Grandma's fixing to pass away. Our hearts dropped. Me and Irene put it in the wind down I-20. I think the kids went with us. We went down to Augusta, Georgia, to um, Doctor's Hospital, 
and we were boo-hooing, and we were crying, and we were sad, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm fixing to lose grandma. I cannot believe this. I was so upset. We all went into the, the waiting room. I saw the cousins and the aunts, and we're all got tissues in our eyes, and, and um, we were all taking turns going back to see grandma. And so uh, then it came our turn. So I tried to collect my thoughts, but I was still teary-eyed and sad, and, and me and Irene went back to see grandma, and we went back into the room. You know, and I'm, I've been expecting my grandma to embrace me, hug me. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to love you. I'm dying. You know, just all sad. And I go in there, and I go stand over in my grandmother's bed, and she looks at me, and she said, David, I'm fixing to go see Jesus. I'm fixing to see Jesus. And I was like, she's encouraging me. You know, I'm thinking i got to go in there and encourage her and lift her up and love on her. She's like, the, the thing that's been most important throughout her whole life, she's looking up from this bed and she's saying, I'm fixing to see Jesus. And my heart leaped for joy in her dying hours. She's like, it wasn't, I love you, I'm going to miss you, this, that. It was, I'm fixing to see Jesus because her heart and her, her heart was fixed on her. Now, she ended up living two years longer. <laughs> she ended up living a couple years longer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so that, that, was a, that, was a, um, that was interesting. She ended up living a couple, two or, th- two or three more years longer. She came out of that. They, the doctors were telling her she was going to pass, but she didn't. But then the time in her life did come where she was living with my Aunt Debbie and Augusta, and her, her life was declining. And in her dying hours, as she was preparing to pass away, you know what she did? She's saying, Jesus loves me. She stepped into eternity in those, in those last hours, in those last days, in that last week. She stepped into eternity singing hymns, singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I was, it was just, she left this world worshiping. Okay, one more. My grandfather, my, my, uh, actually my grandfather passed away um, before my grandmother but um, he went into a nursing home. We went down to see him. All the aunts were staying with him daily. But in, in the, the dying hour, my, my grandfather's dying hours and days in that last week, it was interesting. I would go down there and see him. Hey, Grandpa, how you doing? No response. Hey, Grandpa, it's David. How you doing? He, 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 he wouldn't respond. He, he was, it was like, talk, 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 maybe get one little word response out of him until you started singing a hymn and then he came to life. On his, on his deathbed, he sang th- this song. It's, it's a hymn, hymnal called I Won't Have to Worry Anymore. But his, his, his dying words, worshiping the Lord, my grandfather said this. He says, down here my burdens are heavy and the road seems rough and long. Sometimes my feet grow weary and so slow there's a brighter day a-coming. Soon I'll step on heaven's shore. Those were the words coming off his lips as he was preparing to step into eternity. He also sang, uh, we, we love this song, um, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song will ever be, how marvelous, how wonderful, 
is my Savior's love to me. Why were they able to worship in their final hours? Why? Because they knew Jesus had conquered death. Their Lord, their Savior, our Lord, our Savior, has conquered our greatest enemy, death itself. And even in your passing hours, you can praise the Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I'd go to prepare a place for you. They believed the promises of Jesus. And when you believe the promises of Jesus, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you embrace the word of God, and you believe the word of God, and you trust the word of God, even in the latter stages of life, as we're preparing to pass away, we can worship. We can worship and have confidence before the Lord. That is so encouraging and reassuring. Because let's face it, that is our greatest enemy. Death is the one thing people don't want to talk about. Uh, the world is horrified by death, but not the believer. Not the believer. The believer is not horrified by death. Now, are there some questions? Yeah, how's it going to happen? What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Yeah, and those can be a little eerie. But the overall fear of death has been defeated. It's been destroyed. Uh, death passing away for the Christian, you ready for this? It's a graduation. It's a graduation. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be uh, amazing. It's going to be like, wow, this is so glorious. And this is so awesome. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 55 through 57. Paul was experiencing what I was just saying just now. He says, he, he, it's, it's like a prophetic utterance. Well, all of us are prophetic utterance from Paul. But this is a special prophetic utterance from Paul where he says in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, death, you have no victory. Death, you have no sting because Jesus has conquered the grave and he's gone to prepare you a place in heaven. And what that does in the here and now, the immediate application is it causes our hearts to worship you, God, and say thank you. Thank you for the promise of heaven. Thank you that I can worship you in this moment. So there you have it. Jacob has a personal faith, a persevering faith, and a praising faith. You ready for the fourth P? The fourth P is right in the middle in Hebrews eleven twenty one. 21. It says, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And I grabbed it right there in that phrase. It says that um, Jacob blessed each of the sons of Joseph. He, he, he blessed his grandsons. And this brings us to the fourth one, which is it's a prosperous faith. Jacob had a prosperous faith. And what I mean by uh, having a prosperous faith, meaning it was a faith he passed down. He passed down. And we need to remember in this Christian life, let's not forget, 
that our evangelization of the world starts with our family. It starts with our family. Our family should be our top priority when it comes to witnessing to them and bringing them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we, we want this faith that we have, this salvation, this belief and trust in Christ, we want this to prosper and be passed down to our children. I just want to challenge you this morning. Thinking about a prosperous faith and thinking about passing it down, we need to let our children know. This is applicable if you've got a two-year-old son or daughter or if you've got a 50-year-old son or daughter. I want to challenge you this morning to, to go to them and let them know how important it is to you that they understand the gospel and that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and that this faith you know, that they experience salvation, that they come to know the Lord. That, that, that's the most important thing to me for my family. I mean, when I pass away, they got, they, they, they got a lot coming their way, you know, as far as material things and, and, and financial, you know, and life insurance policies and estates and all that stuff right there. And that stuff's good. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to, we need to set our children up for success in the material world. I think that's great. I think it's beautiful. But more important than that, that is nothing. The, the finances, the estates, all that stuff is nothing compared to the most important thing, and that is the spiritual legacy. That my children know that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That my children know that no matter where they go in life, no matter what they do, that God loves them, that God loves them and that he displayed that love for them at the cross. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for them. You know, when I look at little Emily, well, they're not little no more, but used to, you know, when I look at them, I love you this much and I do. I want them to know that there's a heavenly father above in heaven and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that says, I love you this much. And he, he stretched out his arms at Calvary. And again, not about tradition, not about um, religion, but about the love of God and this personal faith, this persevering, this praising, and that is prosperous. That that blessing, you know, living for God... You're, you're living a blessed life. You know that, right? His blessing is upon you because you're a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that blessing that I've experienced in my life since 1992 when I surrendered my life to Christ, I just want it just to flow on down to my kids and my wife to experience it and my grandchildren to experience it and for all those around me. Um, to experience this blessing, to experience this prosperous faith. You know, it's a wonderful, blessed thing to call yourself a Christian and to call yourself a child of God because of what the Lord has done for you at the cross. 
You've been adopted. You, you know, uh, may, you, you've been adopted. You've been brought into the family. You've been forgiven. You've been washed clean. You've been given this new life. It's a prosperous faith. You know, it's not just about creeds and beliefs, but there's a, an experiential element of faith and the Holy Spirit working in our lives where we live a blessed life because God is for us and God is not against us. And, and, and in addition to that, one day I'm going to be gone and I know that the legacy that I live, it will live on through my children. And, and let that be our mindset. Let your legacy, the, the example that you set before your children. And I, I keep saying children and family, but this could be your whole sphere of influence. Everyone around you, let that legacy live on through them. This is how, my friend, you leave a legacy that lasts. Just like Jacob. I, I didn't invent this. I didn't create this. I just pulled it out of Hebrews 11.21 and the, the example of Jacob. But here, here again, you cannot pass on what you do not have. Okay? Let me repeat that. You cannot pass on what you do not have. So in closing, I'm asking you this morning to leave a legacy that lasts. I ask you four questions. Do you have a personal faith? Do you have a personal faith, a living faith in Christ? You know, are you growing in that faith? Are you asking him to increase your faith? You know, that's so, so important. The Bible says in uh, Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, sometimes we struggle with doubt. Sometimes we struggle with unbelief. But when, we, but when we get into the word and we ask God, he will give you this personal faith. All of a sudden, you'll just, the Holy Spirit will work in your heart, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm just loving God more. I'm just living for him more. I'm just looking forward to getting into the word more. It's this ever-increasing, growing faith in our hearts. God is speaking to you this morning, and this is what he's saying, because I believe many in this room have come to faith. He wants to increase your faith. He wants to increase your faith and increase your love for him. Do you have a person, number two, do you have a persevering faith? Do you have a persevering faith? Are, are, is your mind made up? Are you committed? You know, come hell or high water, I'm, I'm serving the Lord. Through all the crazy and the noise, Lord Jesus, my heart and my mind is focused on you. You know, and I, I just putting all the things aside of this world, all the social media and the politics and, and, and everything that's going on, I am concerned and I am praying for my country. But I, as a believer, I'm praying for them. I'm lifting them up to the Lord. I'm trusting in God. But I'm not, I repeat, I'm not getting caught up in the social war that's taking place between the politics because, man, it is just wrecking families. It is wrecking communities but because people are splitting over it. It's not going to happen at Calvary Chapel Irmo because our heart and our mind is going to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pray for our country, and we're going to be a light, and we're going to be a witness, but there won't be no politics. 
coming from the pulpit. The only thing that will be coming from the pulpit is this right here. Because this is feeding. You know what we're doing right now? We're having a meal. We're having a full course meal. And we're, and we're almost done with dessert. <laughs> we've had the main course. We've had some veggies. We've had some fruits. And we're finishing up on the, uh, on the dessert. <clears throat> and that's what we're going to be about. Number three that Jacob had. Do you have a praising faith? Do you have a worshipful faith? D does your heart, d does, does the name of Jesus soften your heart? And you say, Lord, you are so worthy. I'm going to worship you. This, this, is, this is Jacob's dying hour. He's not bitter. He's not mad. Oh, God, why don't you just give me five more years? Give me ten more years. Why don't you give me some more time? No. He trusted in the sovereignty of God, and he worshiped God. He praised God. So God is ultimately in control of our lives. He knows the day he will call us home. And in the meantime, because he's defeated death, because he's died on the cross, because he's given us this new life, let's worship him in the beauty of his holiness. You know, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning worship, song, uh, worship time to, to worship the Lord. You can worship the Lord going down the road. You can crank up the Christian music. Make sure you keep your eyes open. Don't close them because you could wreck. But put one hand on the steering wheel and praise the Lord. Worship the Lord in your daily life and praise him. And finally, a prosperous faith. Do you have a prosperous faith? We have, we, we, the I don't know if that's an appropriate question I just asked. Do you have a prosperous faith? Let me take that back. My friend, if you're a believer in Christ, you do have a prosperous faith. You do have a prosperous faith. And that prosperous faith will bless your family. And it's a prosperous faith that we can pass down for generations to come. Again, I didn't invent it. I'm just following the, the book. In Hebrews 11:21, that is exactly what Jacob is doing with his two grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So let's grow in these areas. Let's grow in these areas. And let's be like, faith, let's be like Jacob. And let's, let's have a persevering faith, a personal faith, a praising faith, and a prosperous faith as we move forward in our walk with Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the study of Hebrews 11.21 and the example of Jacob blessing his two grandsons and blessing Joseph also. But Father, thank you that this faith that we have is, is a faith that we're called to uh, make personal, to be real, and to pass down for generations to come. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.